Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. As you can probably tell from the title of this episode, this conversation is going to be a little heavier. Uh, Work, Love, Pray, as much as we would love to have it always be sunshine and butterflies, it can't be. And, you know, that's just because life isn't always that way. And, you know, we want to talk to you guys about real life. And many, many, many forward women have approached the digital community team and asked that we talk through some of the harder things we deal with and how to handle grief was very high up on that list. And it's understandable. Grief can come at any moment. It can linger for the rest of your life in some shape or form, and it holds the power to completely alter your life if you let it. But grief is also a part of our lives and something that we can all expect to feel at any point. So rather than shy away from it, let's pull the curtains back and really discuss the process of grieving. Joining me today for this conversation is Kristen Brown. Kristen serves as Vice President of Communications for the Institute for Faith, Work, and Economics. Kristen is also currently exploring work in the ministry field, whether at a church or parachurch ministry. She is serving in a two-year internship at her church, heading up women's ministry while she pursues her Master's of Arts in Religion from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. A Southern California native, Kristen and her husband Scott have been married five years and they now live in Northern Virginia. Now, I had the opportunity to get to know Kristen over the past few months, and we've interviewed her on our blog, and I know her personal story of dealing with grief while also having to continue on with her career and day-to-day life, which many of us have to do, Um, but I know that her story is just going to be such a blessing to many of you that are listening. So, Kristen, thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Jordan. It's great to be back with you and continue this conversation. So why did this topic of grief stand out to you? Yes. Well, um, grief, it's hard not to stand out to you. It really gets your attention uh, because how painful it is. Um, you know, it's like the unwanted house guests that, that just comes and you're not sure when, <laughs> when they're going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of us have experienced different griefs along our, along our lives, but we don't really have a toolbox to know what, how do we process this? And, and so when it hits your life, um, you're looking for resources and you're looking for help. And since I've gone through some circumstances in, in the last, maybe, I guess, five to 10, 10 years, it's made me really think a lot about grief and how to process it as a, as a woman of faith, as a Christian. And um, it's given me a heart for others who might be going through it. And I look forward to uh, just diving into it further together. So I'm really encouraged that Forward Women is uh, taking a look at this topic um, because uh, grief does impact um, all of our lives. It's like if you were to have a, a circle and inside that circle is your life and, and you have work and family and uh, church, community, hobbies, relationships. And when when grief comes hard and heavy, it's like in the center of that circle and it impacts all of all of your life. And and so finding a way to process it uh, um, together in community, but um, but also with with God is is integral um, and so I'd love to just share a little bit about my story, um, to, to get us started if that's okay. Yeah. Um, and, and one thought, and I've been hearing this from, from someone is, is when you, 
when you share your own kind of story of, of grief, everyone has their, their own story. It, it sometimes is a trigger to, to other women um, who may have a different story. Um, for example, I, I just heard of a small group where there uh, were a couple of women in there who were married and um, and had children. And one woman was going through some grief of really wanting to be back um, working outside the home. And another, the other woman was really wanting to be at home with her kids. Mm. And this triggered another woman in the group who was single, wanting to be married and uh, would just love to, to have either of those <laughs> issues. And, and so I think um, just being sensitive, I, I really want to be sensitive to other people's stories as my, I share mine, but also just knowing that I, I know the Bible teaches us to sort of rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn and um, so I hope as I share my story, there's something that you, that could, that could impact, you know, where, wherever the, your listeners are. Um, so my particular story is, is really just one of, uh, singleness for a, a long time until I was age 41, um, and got married, um, at 41 and then, and then just the, the, the desire to, to be a, a biological mom. And, and then on, on top of that, sort of grieving my, uh, the loss of my mom who had Alzheimer's for uh, kind of early onset Alzheimer's for about mm-hmm. 10 years. So just kind of different generational aspects of grief or kind of losing the generation um, above me and then below me, and then just kind of walking through a longer season of singleness. Um, so just would love to share just a, a quick background of how I, um, about my bigger picture story. I, uh, I became a Christian in, in college, um, which was really life-changing and helped to give me uh, purpose and direction. And in my twenties, I really just wanted to focus on being, um, you know, being whole and, and learning who I was in, um, in my faith and work focusing on my my job and getting plugged into my, my church and kind of put dating. I just, I thought, you know, I, I'm really not going to be d- dating right now. And it was just a wonderful season of growth and, and healing and wholeness. And by the time I got to my mid thirties, I was like, okay, I, it was a different story. Now I was, I wasn't dating because I was sort of hiding from, um, risk, I think, in relationship. And I was starting, my biological clock was starting to tick pretty loudly and um, also I was just starting to really grieve um, what I saw others experiencing, um, nurturing children. And, um, and I really longed for that. And, uh, and it, it always seems to kind of hit you more at a church um, mm-hmm. as, you, as you go to church and you see moms and babies and families. And, uh, and I think when you come to church, you come kind of with your heart a little bit more open to to God and to what's going on underneath. And so somehow I, I experienced a lot of grief at, at church, but um, God helped me to kind of take some steps of, of faith there and, and, and seek relationships and had some great healthy dating relationships. And then met a uh, amazing man when I was 39 and a year and a half later we were married and uh, Interestingly, just kind of a quick side note, the, the man I met, Scott, he and I both have grown up uh, our, in our adult lives in the D.C. area. We, we lived 
practically down the street from one another. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, we, we learned, you know, this all this later. We, we shopped at the same grocery store. We, we knew a bunch of friends in common. You know, we, we practically bumped into each other at different Christian singles groups and stuff like that. Uh, but God had us to meet in our 40s and, <laughs> and get married. And so it's been a point I've really wrestled with is God's timing in my life and, and really thinking, okay, God, you, you know, statistically, you know, if, if children were, you know, a desire and a, and a plan and something be a blessing, it would have been a lot greater if we had met, you know, when we were, we were twenties, we were, it would, it would have been very convenient for you to make mm-hmm. it happen. Um, so, so really kind of, uh, that's, that's been a, an interesting point, but after we got married um, at four, I was 41, in our first year, we um, sadly had a miscarriage, and then just as the the months went by, I, I began to realize, you know, being a biological mom may not be in God's plan for me, mm-hmm. and um, starting to to really um, to process that with the Lord. And um, as I've wrestled with kind of the loss of that dream, it's it's really drawn me closer to God. And, um, as I've been looking to his word for and direction and, uh, but it's, it's definitely been an interesting journey. I'd love to unpack that more as we discuss. Well, and when I interviewed you, like I said, for the forward blog back in 2018, Mm -hmm. um, in that interview, you talked about purpose and calling, and that was one of actually our top blogs (laughs) for that year. And mm-hmm. so when I approached you to talk about grief on the podcast with us today, you said that it was the perfect follow-up to your blog. So why, why was that? Hmm. Yeah, I think for one, this is a, a topic that I think women need to, to talk more about, um, grief in general, but also I think grief related to uh, singleness and um, either infertility or childlessness. Um, it's sometimes these are these are hidden hidden griefs, and I I think you know women and men both experience gr- probably grief about these things, but I think women uniquely um, because of the way we're designed, and you know every month that we're reminded that that's we're designed to be life life givers, mm-hmm. uh, that we 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 experience uh, grief um, about. Um, particularly not having children uh, differently than men. So I think it's, it's an interesting topic for, for women. Um, but also I think this, this whole idea of, of hidden griefs where there's not, there wasn't necessarily a, a maybe a death in your family or something that you didn't go through a memorial service or something tangible to really help you process a grief. It's sort of something that's underneath the surface. Um, so whether that's that singleness and you're, you're trying not to idolize this thing that you're hoping for and longing for because you know, as a, as a Christian that, you know, your hope ultimately is in God, but yet there's a, there's this, uh, a grief of a, of a, of a dream that's potentially not going to happen. And so you, you need ways to, um, you need to be able to dialogue about it. Uh, you need to, and I'm grateful that we're, we're kind of digging into it further and, um, and so it's these these hidden griefs, but also I feel like I'm I'm at a different, a little bit different place than I was even a year ago when we did the blog interview, and I think that's encouraging to me, um, and and hopeful hopefully to your listeners. And I, I wouldn't say grief is like a linear journey where like the end result is 
like no grief, but that it's more of kind of an unfolding of a different story than you expected. Uh, as I was trying to think of how, how to describe it, I almost feel like grief is like an empty canvas that there's a, a painter, like an, an expert, beautiful painter that's, that's starting to uh, put brush strokes on this canvas as you walk through this grief and you're starting to see, hmm, this could be you know, a beautiful landscape, or maybe it's going to be something architectural and you're starting to see the different colors and the brushstrokes as you're, as you're going through grief. And ultimately your hope is that this is going to be, there's going to be a beautiful picture that comes out of it. And so I feel, I see that happening a little bit more in my life. And so I was wanting to just kind of like share more about that and, and cast a vision, hopefully for people who are experiencing grief that, um, that there can be, beauty, um, that, that comes, that comes from it. Well, and I love that metaphor because, you know, in my, in my personal life, it, it hasn't been fun past year or so. So I actually took up painting to kind of, you know, deal with that and process things. So yeah, that picture was perfect. I, I love it. I love the idea of being an empty canvas and, you know, it's, it can be exciting to be that empty, empty canvas because, you know, you, kind of maybe could have a whole new beginning, but then at the same time, it's also, it's empty, you know, I mean, an mm-hmm. empty canvas feels empty. So I, mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and as you've shared your story, you know, you, you've had many instances, I guess we could say of grief and it mm-hmm. kind of feeds into the fact that grief can really have many faces. And like you said, they can be hidden, they can be right in front of you. So I guess in your life, what, what have those faces maybe looked like? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people talk about different stages of a grief, and that's that's one way to kind of understand it. You know, there's there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and I would say I've probably felt all of those in one degree or another. <laughs> Um, in my mid thirties, I think uh, a little bit and, and, and grieving the loss of sort of the dream of being married, I, I felt like I just kind of entered a, a period of depression and, and in a way that, that impacted my, my work. Um, uh, my, my peers were at home nurturing children and I was really sort of nurturing spreadsheets and PR campaigns <laughs> and, um, emails and you always kind of want what you don't have. Right. But uh, I, I struggled to sort of compartmentalize those feelings and perform and be productive at work and, and kind of turned away from God. I, I, I one thing you'll, I guess, hear me say as we chat about is this, this idea of moving toward God in your grief as a way to, um, help process it. But, but I would say that what I did is, is turn, turn away from God and just stop talking to him about it because I wasn't sure I could really trust my heart to him. And as that impacted my life, I think it impacted my work. And uh, after the downturn of the market in 2008, I ended up losing my job, but I think it might've been tied to that, but I think it might've also been tied to kind of just my, my performance. And I think just having, a um, to reflect back on that, I, I, I also want to just encourage your listeners who may have, like experience that like grief kind of impacting your ability to just kind of function, to have mm-hmm. grace on yourself 
And uh, so it's, it's helped me to, to reflect back on that experience of losing my job. Um, I would say another different face of grief is, is anger. And I, I think mm-hmm. I felt that in being uh, not having my own, my own children and have really in that anger turned toward the Lord and, and engaged with him more in it. Um, and I think this is where I have felt the most comfort in, mm. in this, a lot of models for how to kind of pour, pour out what's going on in your heart in, in the Psalms. And the Psalms are a great tool for just like when you don't even feel like you know what to say <laughs> to God, but even just reading those, but the Psalm 62 uh, where um, David writes, tells us like to pour, pour out your hearts to God. And <laughs> sometimes what comes out is not very pretty, but, but that's okay because it's, that's actually a step of faith. That's your, um, and, and, um, uh, you're, you're turning, turning in the right direction. So I felt like, um, I've seen that anger, <laughs> the anger side, but also in that a very, um, gentle response from God. So I think grief does have a lot of different faces. It may look different for different people. Mm. In your opinion, um, and maybe I guess in your personal experience, is there a right way to respond to grief? And I know, you know, obviously God, spirituality, um, being a Christian, like that's a big part of your story now. Um, so is there, in the in the time that you've studied up on this, is there a, a way that Christians are called to grieve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the... The what the your first question is you know, is there a right way to respond to grief and I would say no um, there and it, it it might be you might hear some guidance from from people who are maybe well intentioned to say this is you know this is how you need to process your grief or and they may not they may just may not be familiar with grief because I think grief hits people everyone different as we were saying it mm-hmm. has different different faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's easy to, to judge yourself as well to say, you know, I'm and compare yourself to, to other people. Uh, for example, my dad who cared for my mom, uh, when she had Alzheimer's, uh, for 10 years in, in an amazing way, um, he slowly grieved as she has, he, they call Alzheimer's the slow goodbye. And, mm-hmm. um, and after she passed, my mom passed away, my dad remarried in a year and a half. And some people would look at that and say, well, wow, that's really fast. Like maybe he hasn't processed his grief, but, um, but to judge someone else's journey, you know, you just don't, you just don't know because each person mm-hmm. has their own, their own journey. And they do yeah. say that men sometimes uh, will get remarried more quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind is that as you're walking through your own journey to not compare yourself and to know that it's probably going to take longer <laughs> than you expected. Um, but I think this idea of moving, moving towards God is, is a key um, as far as bringing your faith into your grief grief journey. And I've talked a little bit about what moving kind of maybe moving away from God looks like, maybe just like stop talking to him um, not really believing that there is, there is a good God that is in control and, and sort of resigning yourself to 
hmm, maybe this is as good as it gets. And I'm just going to kind of accept the cards I've been dealt. But I think it can be a lot better than that. And I think that we can come to a place of, of holding both, having both grief and hope at the same time. Um, so moving to move toward God, you know, I talked a little bit about pouring your heart out, but it's this idea of um, lament, like lamenting to God. It's not a word we probably use very frequently in modern language. And it's probably, frankly, something that um, Christians and people of faith have become pretty unfamiliar with how to do. And, you know, when it, it, it may seem kind of, hmm, um, maybe you're not being like faithful if, if you're not like um, happy, expressing happy and joyful feelings to God. Um, but we see lament all, all throughout the Bible, actually. Um, half or not half, a third of the Psalms are, can be called, categorized as like lament Psalms. Um, and there's a whole book of lamentations in the Bible. Um, another, another good example of, of lamentations is um, the book of Ruth. Uh, it's a, a story about um, some women. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful story, but this woman, Naomi, lost her, her husband and her two sons die in a very short period of time. <laughs> and she, she kind of cries out, like, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me by the, by the name Mara, which means bitter. Or she says, the, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And I love that because she's, she's kind of modeling for us. Like I'm lamenting, like, this is what God has allowed to have to happen to me, but she's still acknowledging like there's, there's a God he's in control. Mm -hmm. And I think just keeping that framework that, um, that, that God exists is as important as you, as you, as you lament. So there's, there's a great book I want to recommend on the, like, what does it look like to lament? And it's, it's a new book out called dark clouds, deep mercy, discovering the grace of lament by a guy named Mark Brogop. And he describes lament as a loud cry, a howl or a passionate expression of grief. Um, but he says in, in the Bible, lament is more than just sorrow or talking about sadness. It's more than just like walking through the stages of grief. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. And I, I love that um, because it, it basically saying that it, it takes, you're expressing faith uh, when you're lamenting to God. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's something we, we should do. And he talks about it having like basically like four parts of like turning to God, complaining, um, asking God questions like, where are you? Why did you let this happen? And then trusting that what God says is true. And um, so, I mean, probably a lot of us who are listening have like done some sort of lament in our mm -hmm. life. I and mean, maybe we didn't know we were doing it. And maybe we were thought, oh, maybe, gosh, that isn't really a prayer. Or maybe I'm being <laughs> un unfaithful as I ex like cry out to God or cry these things out. And, but the reality is, um, that's, that's, that's a prayer of faith. And as I've done that in my, my own journey of like, of just processing, okay, I'm not going to be a biological mom 
and kind of crying out to God at that. It usually happens late at night, you know, where I'm trying to go to sleep and I realize, no, I need to, I need to get up and I need to kind of do some lamenting. And, um, and I have, I really expected that when I complain to God, that he's going to kind of respond harshly and to say, you know, get with the program, um, get over yourself. And it, you know, you don't want to beware not to be self-focused and, um, stuck in your grief. But it, instead I, I felt like a really re- a response from God of just gentleness and just like, um, feeling like he's saying, I'm, I'm with you in your grief and, um, and I love you. And I, and I think that's the, the best thing that we can experience when we, when we are going through grief is to know that there's just to know that there's a loving God who hears and cares and, um, and that there could be a bigger picture that he's, that he's planning for you. That's, that's different. Like that, that painting that's good. That's going to be unfolding. Um, so, so that's, I guess when it comes to, for, for any of us who are seeking to move through great, um, grief, in a way that's healing and transforming, I would I would look at this whole idea of, of lament, and and to try it, try it on for size. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had to push yourself through your grief? Um, you know, because it. Like we said earlier, it can happen at any time. We don't always have the luxury, I guess, of hitting pause on our life to get completely through whatever we're grieving. So mm. is it is it possible to push through grief when you're at work or around other people who don't know what you're going through? And, or honestly, mm-hmm. there will be circumstances maybe you don't want them to know. So how do you still acknowledge your grief, properly process it, but you also have to have a life? <laughs> Right, right. Life goes on and, it, and grief, you know, seems to pop up at the most inopportune times. Yeah. <laughs> you think maybe you're, you're, you're doing fine and then something triggers you and, you know, voila, you've got a you know, tear that you're trying to make sure doesn't come down your cheek and, and you, you feel right. a wave of emotion coming up. And so what do you do? Um, I remember one, one experience where it was soon after I had my, my miscarriage and I was at uh, work and with my boss at the time, a guy, um, great guy. I had shared with him that I had a miscarriage and then the uh, meeting also with him and another woman who had, um, about my age who had just had, um, a baby and, and had brought the baby into the office and was sitting there in the stroller in this, um, kind of smallish office, the three of us together. And it was just, it, I, it, it triggered me and I, I should have probably stepped out, but I did one of those things where you, you kind of tilt your head back so that the, the tear doesn't <laughs> just sort of stays in the corner of your eye <laughs> so you can brush it away. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't want to, I think the woman I had shared with um, that I had had a miscarriage cause I just didn't, I, I wanted to rejoice with her and not be kind of a wet blanket and, and eventually the emotion passed, but Ironically, I was at a a workplace that was very supportive, I think would have been very supportive of me just kind of breaking down at that point. But work is, you know, not an ideal place to to process grief. Work is a place of productivity. And, um, and I think, and I, and I hope that though, 
work is a place of good relationships and maybe with your boss, you can open up and say, you know, this is what I'm going through. So they understand. And maybe even, you know, they allow you to take a few days off so that you can come back feeling better and be more productive. Um, but I think like I was reflecting on my own um, work history and how grief has affected me, I think it's important to just give yourself some grace and know that you're not going to be able to be at the speed of which you normally are able to work at, um, at at a normal pace and to not just try to grit your teeth and, and, and run at that same pace and, and give yourself some grace that you're going to, you're going to be slower. And that might have some repercussions, um, like I experienced in my, in my work, but, um, I do hope that you have an understanding uh, work environment and that you take time to, to care for yourself so that you can come back and be more productive. But, Another thing about work and grief is that work can be very actually healthy and healing in the, in the grief process. I mean, sometimes you just need to have a plow to put your hand to and something to just work to be in front of you. Even though you, you still feel that underlying sadness, it, it can be very helpful to, to, have, to have something um, like work in front of you. So don't shy away from, from diving into, to life, um, knowing that, that that's part of the healing journey. Well, and in, in my life, um, you know, whenever I've gone through anything or, you know, I'm just trying to process something, I agree with you. I mean, I think work, it can be helpful. And at least in, in my situation, I feel mm-hmm. like it's almost because it's something you have way more control over. Um, you know, so it's, it's a little more predictable, you know, exactly how your day is going to go, you know, you have the option to, you know, alter that, you know, in whatever way you need to. So it is, it is healing because you're, you know, grief is just so unpredictable and you don't have control over it. And, you know, it is something that you just kind of have to ride out most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I agree you know, being able to put yourself into something that is predictable, you know, it, you, you know, quote unquote, have control over it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do think that is, that is healing. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it good to let other people into your grief? No, absolutely. Um, and, and uh, you know, you, you will have people that come into your grief that are maybe well-intentioned uh, that maybe suggest ways to, to try to fix and, and, and help you s- sort of speed through it. And I think, for example, like with, with childlessness and uh, you'll have folks that, that talk about adoption and, or talk about all sorts of, um, you know, the, the miracles, um, the miracle babies in the Bible, like Sarah and Abraham mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Hannah. And, and I think just really, um, gently, you know, thanking those people, but knowing that that, um, and giving them grace, but that that's not where you're probably what you're looking for. I think what you're looking for is someone to just kind of sit with you in your grief and cry with you and, and just let it be okay that you're not okay. Um, because that's part of, part of moving, moving through your grief. So I think it's important to let someone like that, um, into your grief and, and not just if you're married, not just your husband, but I, you know, I think having a a key friend or a counselor, um, that will help you walk through that is really important. And I think letting others into your grief is helpful, not only for you, but also I think it's helpful for others in a way, at least I've, mm-hmm. I've seen that mm-hmm. some, um, 
I have found that being honest with my grief, for example, like on this podcast, um, and but also at the same time expressing that I'm a person of faith um, and and hoping in kind of a, this bigger picture plan that God has that doesn't necessarily potentially involve um, things like children in this life for me, but um, a bigger picture of hope that it gives me, I think, an opportunity to encourage others. And I, I read an incredible uh, article on this at Christianity Today a few years back called uh, why, the, um, why the Church Needs the Infertile Couple. And basically saying that it's, it's helpful and powerful to have people in our communities who maybe are, have unfulfilled longings but are still um, at a place of hoping that they're and, and are honest about their grief. They're not, but but are still hoping that that God is good and that ultimately there's this future hope that we have that one day that our tears um, will turn to joy. That um, that instead of ashes we'll have mourning and um, instead of um, being having a faint spirit, having a garment of praise. I'm I'm quoting from Isaiah 61, but. Um, so I think it can be really helpful, um, and I hope, and I've I've seen that um, that it's that others have been encouraged as, uh, and I hope that your listeners might share their grief with others if they're also saying, look, I have grief, but I also have this other hope, and mm-hmm. I can't quite figure it all, <laughs> like I can't put it all together, but I'm holding on to these two things at the same time, and um, there's a, just a, one more resource I would I would point your listeners to is woman named Nancy Guthrie, and she is the co-founder of a group, a group, a group called Grief Share, and also written books on, on grief that have been incredibly helpful. But she, she says that, and I'm quoting from her, I actually think that a person who has had great sorrow has a larger capacity for joy. It's almost as if the sorrow expands our capacity so that we can feel joy more deeply and more persistently. So it's just this idea that um, that sorrow and joy or grief and hope can can coexist, and I think that's that's the place I'm at, and um, and and out of that I feel like God is painting a picture uh, for me that that will that's a blessing to me ultimately I think, but also hopefully will be something that points to him and his hand in my life that uh, is a different plan than I was expecting, but uh, will ultimately be something beautiful. So I was just wanted to leave your listeners with that, that sense of, of hope um, in the midst of grief. We're glad you joined us for this conversation about grief. If you've enjoyed the Work, Love, Pray podcast, we would love to hear from you. Please consider taking a moment to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Your support is much appreciated and your review will help place Work, Love, Pray in front of other forward women and men who might enjoy the podcast and want to join the family. I love this review that we got on Apple Podcasts. It says, great resource from an excellent organization. Loved the launch podcast and can't wait for more. We at Forward appreciate feedback like that so, so much. It really encourages us. Um, And again, we just thank you so much for your help in promoting Work, Love, Pray. For more information about this episode, please visit our website, forwardwoman.org. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org. 
and then click on podcast at the top of the page. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.